Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, uh, how's, how's it going this week? Uh, how, was, how was your 4th of July? It was very well. I mean, first of all, my person and I celebrated it by going to watch an American adaptation of a Chekhov play mm-hmm. uh, in a film form called The Seagull. It's got like Corey Stoll and Elizabeth Moss and Annette Benning. And spoiler alert, Elizabeth Moss is very good in it as a sarcastic, drunk 28 year old. Um, <laughs> I am shocked. Like, shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked too. Um, but it's by far and away the best part of the movie. But yeah, so we celebrated by going to watch a Russian play play slash film but then we also had to deal with fireworks for like three hours which with a dog was very stressful so it was a long fourth of july how was yours i'm very tired (laughs) (laughs) you know i had a actually had a really nice fourth uh the the family that's um in the chicagoland area all got Mm -hmm. together um which is not necessarily a thing we are able to do or or make time to do every year so that kind of came together last minute it was really nice just you know we had a, a typically Kalsik, um, uh, there was, it was the parade of meats. And so my, my brother and my, <laughs> and my dad, uh, were enjoying getting into the grilling and the over analysis of the coal heat level and reading the smoke patterns, uh, you know, to tell when the coals are at peak, you know, meats temperatures and, and such. It was, it was, it was fun. Um, I had most of the rest of the day, aside from the time with my family, which was lovely, it was a very conflicted fourth, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people. So I'm instead focusing on it's my birthday. It's going to, by the time yeah. people are hearing this, has already yeah. been my birthday. Yeah, I was about to say, wait, no, your birthday's, your birthday's, your birthday's not today. It's tomorrow. Why are you freaking me out like this? Because you know, Step listeners, Noel is well. We all know Noel is fabulous. Noel's great, uh, but Noel has not only sent a birthday card; he also sent a here's a postcard just to say hi because he is nice and thoughtful. And then I immediately was like, "Oh, Noel's so great." I feel like crap because I've already forgotten your birthday, Noel, and I will remember it when we're like getting close to it. I'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's right, Noel's birthday." But I'm like. Anyways, Noel's great, and I um, sent you a postcard because I wanted you to have my new address so that you could send me cookies and baked goods at the end of the year. And I've already started pondering that I do yeah. owe you guys some, some belated uh, cookies for, uh, for for like the move in for for the housewarming. So I am if you want to place an order. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to be baking. I will, I will let her know, and she may be like, yes and no, please and thank you. Okay, so just keep me apprised. But um, yeah, anyways, I'll... yeah, so so that's what I'm focusing on, because I'm, I'm, I have a very detailed plan for my birthday. It involves making delicious food, and we're going to make some uh, Great Bush Bake Off pies, like mini, little mini pies, um, and yeah. it's going to be delicious, and then I'm, I'm going to hang out with some family and friends and then i'm gonna go podcast about steven universe over at consequence of sound and these are all things that i love to do (laughs) so it's going to be super duper fun um listeners we are recording a little earlier than usual this week so there's a couple shows that we would normally touch on that we are not going to be able to we'll have thoughts next week on uh cloak and dagger um and we are only part of the way through the steven bomb as we record so more on that based on the trailer like there's some big stuff coming right right 
I'm very nervous about, like, Friday's episode. Yeah, because I felt like the first half of the Stephen Bomb has been, like, you know, good. But, like, kind of, like... It's not the promo. (laughs) It's not the promo. And so it's, like... I have to keep reminding myself, no, Kate, part of why you love the show is all the character building. And so, like, enjoy the character building. Don't just go, but the but the money shot from the trailer, um, which I'm sure is coming on, uh, on, on at the end of the week. Anyways, that all that to say, we've got a lot of TV to talk about, but nowhere near what we normally would because it's 4th of July and a lot of shows took the week off and we're recording early. So probably we'll have a super long show next week, but this week it's going to be in the lighter side. We are talking glow season two at the end of the show. And uh, that was actually how I spent my 4th of July. Cause I was super behind on watching stuff. And my family graciously was like, yeah, what, what, what do you have to watch? We'll watch the wrestling show. We'll, we'll do that one. That, that seems like that's a good palette, like, like matches the palette of, of the room as opposed to like, Half of my family does not want to watch DuckTales, and they definitely don't want to watch Bold Type or Claws or, like, just, like, jump in the middle of a show they've never seen before. Like, yeah, if you jump in the middle of- don't they want to watch DuckTales? And mm, I just, my family does not want to watch DuckTales. It's just not their jam. I think you should disown them. No, I know they're great and all, but you should disown they're, them. They're pretty, they're pretty great. They're pretty great. I don't think I, I'm allowed to do that. But maybe I can just have a subtle, like, whisper campaign about DuckTales being great, and maybe that'll, maybe yeah. that'll work. Anyways, um, we should get into some of our uh, news at the top of the show. Again, it's most of the TV news I felt like kind of took the week off. Um, Claws was renewed. Which was super exciting because I caught up on last week's episode. I watched this week's episode, and they're crushing it. So very glad they really are that I can yeah. you know in- appreciate that and enjoy just like the knowledge that it's definitely coming back next year. Yeah, uh, these are two episodes especially um, were just really good. Now, if TNT would just renew Good Behavior at some point, yep. So I can have that, and we can have that as like a culture and a society and as a planet. We could have good behavior. That would be really nice. That, that would be very nice. Yes, <laughs> um, and uh, and also, listeners, what that means for you is if you haven't caught up with Claws yet, perfect time to catch up because you already know it's coming back next year. So it's not even like a well, should I bother? There's only a few episodes left. No, it's coming back next year, and it's really good. So you should watch it. Um, also, uh, let's, well, let's end with the happy thing. So we're just, we're not going to talk about this very much because it's movies and this is a TV podcast, but Scarlett Johansson, oh God, uh, as if like the, the, her response to the backlash at playing a character canonically Asian in, uh, Ghost of the Shell, the, that adaptation wasn't, you know, tone deaf enough and her continued, um, alleged, I don't know their personal lives, but a seeming her seeming continued friendship with Woody Allen wasn't enough. Uh, this whole Scarlett Johansson playing a trans man thing in the the movie about Dante Tex Gill and uh, it's called Rub and Tug. Like the like as if just that idea wasn't bad enough. Then her response when asked about it was horrible and uh, it's just wow Scarlett Johansson you're making it like like I'm pretty much done with Scarlett Johansson and as far as seeking out stuff that she's in because she's in it she's very good she's a very talented yeah. actor don't get me wrong uh, but yeah no longer a reason to go see a thing that I'm on the fence about yeah the the hole that she's dug herself into is just so deep that she can see the other side of wherever she's digging to already. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just the comments from Trace Lissette and uh, Jamie Clayton, I thought were just spot on. It's like, the issue here is that trans actors are never considered 
for cis roles. Right. I'm not like even let in the audition room for cis roles. So if you're not going to let trans actors play cis characters, at the very least, you can make sure that they're playing the few trans characters out there. Um, uh-huh. And to take a like an actual person who had this lived experience to be like, but I want an Oscar. <laughs> so is basically what her response was, is I would like an Oscar. And I just went, yeah, no, <laughs> it's like, great. That's, that's great. You made it. You, can, can she make it grosser? Yes, she can. Yeah. The, I found a way. There's almost something to be said for how brazen and straightforward she was about it. You know, like, as yeah. opposed to, I was really moved by the subject. She, it was basically like, no, but I want awards. This will get me awards. Yeah. I don't care what that says about, like, uh, the personhood of trans people and the erasure of trans roles and the, the stereotyping of trans actors as being not trans enough or to or or not cis enough to be able to play anything you know it's just like aside from all that just be like but i want an oscar so that's yeah anyways scarlett johansson epitome of uh like white feminine and using like using feminism as like a like they're attacking me because i'm a woman kind of thing which is uh, like some of the the whiff coming off of some of this stuff it was for Ghost in the Shell and it is here as well. It's just gross. So stop being a bad example, Scarlett Johansson. Um, we're going to end on a happier note. And that is that uh, Yvette Nicole Brown will indeed be moderating uh, the Walking Dead panel at Comic-Con, taking over for Chris Hardwick. Um, a little too much. Uh, I'm stepping in for a friend for my taste in her uh Oh, response. I didn't read her statement about that. That's not great. Well, because there's this, I mean, and admittedly she's walking a bit of a delicate PR tightrope because there's plenty of, uh, I'm just going to say gross fanboys who are pissed off that Harwick has been like removed from Comic-Con and don't think he should. And so like there's people lashing out at her for, for stepping in. There's plenty of other people who are calling for her to step in because she would be great. Um, But there are others then that are like, that are sending her hate mail and stuff about this. And, uh, and so like, and, and cause some people are saying, Oh, give her the show. Like me, I'm saying, give her the show. Um, And so I think it's this thing of like, okay, I'm just, I'm not trying to take his daily, his job. I'm not trying to take his show. I'm just doing this panel. And like, and so it's like, I'm, I'm stepping in for someone that I know, uh, by the same point, ugh, it's, it's gross to watch. There, there's been a um, like a concerted Hardwick defense campaign going around. Um, that's just gross. Um, and uh, I don't like to think of Medical Brown as being part of that. Uh, but if she is, then so be it. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure she'll do a great job at Comic Con. And I'm still a big, a big fan of hers. So we'll see, like, moving forward, how things shake out. But. For right now, I'm willing to chalk this up to PR. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's just that. Um, I'll have to go and read her statement, uh, which makes me sad. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like I wouldn't want to be stuck between the the fanboys and the the those of us calling for you know abusers to not keep getting paid lots of money. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be in the middle of that. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to go to the co- the Walking Dead panel at Comic-Con because I'd have right. to, like, stay in line all night. So that's not going to happen. But uh, maybe we'll, they'll – I'm sure there'll be clips that pop up on YouTube and stuff. So we can see how she does with that once we get to Comic-Con. But 
that this has been a long start of the show, uh, given the relatively spare amount of news. We need to get into some Mamma Mia from the bold type. So we're going to ah, take a... Here we go again. Indeed. It was a blatant product placement. We'll talk about that when we get to it on our Weekend TV. But uh, let's let's take a break, listen to some Mamma Mia, and come back with our Weekend TV. the main cast of the bold type singing mama mia in this week's episode of uh of, of the bold type stride of pride uh this week in tv we're going to kick things off with hannah gadsby's comedy special on netflix nanette then we'll talk about the, the first half of the Stephen bomb now we're only falling apart what's your problem and i'll talk a bit about the question then we'll move on to ducktales day of the only child um, and then we have bold type, stride of pride, and we'll round things out with claws, scream. So first up is uh, Nanette, and uh, I, I ask that you watch this, Noel. I, I, again, I don't know if this counts as TV or movie. It's a comedy special, but it's really fucking good. So that's where I'm at with it. I, I, I was like, Noel, watch this. It's as good as everyone's been saying. It's been getting tremendous praise, um, at least on Twitter, in in our little bubbles, and. I, so I, I was like, I guess I should watch this. And it just blew me away. Not only is it funny, but it, it's like part comedy special, part one-woman show. It's very much on the, based on, like, she she's in, does the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and, like, the whole, like, every year you do another hour kind of a thing. This is her hour for this year. And um, I thought, I found it incredibly powerful, incre- like a masterful display of, like, the craft of holding the audience in your hand. And um, I just thought it was absolutely Gorgeous. And I've already watched it twice. <laughs> I'm going to probably watch it again. Um, Noel, did I overhype it for you? Like, what, what did you think about this? And um, yeah, I, I, should everybody seek it out? Yeah, everyone should seek this out. Um, I sort of hesitate to call it necessarily comedy special. I think one woman show or sort of a lecture about comedy is also like really appropriate. It's both like practice and praxis and theory type of thing of like, this is how comedy works. This is how comedy isn't working is sort of the gist of Nanette. And that's really compelling and really interesting to watch as Gatsby sort of takes us through sort of identity comedy for like the first third of the of the special and then steadily deconstructs what we think about comedy and then deconstructs what we think about identity comedy and then shifts entirely into why identity comedy as it works today doesn't work really and it's just really compelling and it's really thoughtful and thought-provoking and i think one of the really strong things about it is the fact that 
Gadsby's um, performance style shifts over the course of the hour or so from sort of a stuttering kind of um uh type uh, performance, which feels like a comedian persona type of thing that she's putting on. And then that gets dropped away in the last like 20 minutes where it's very assertive, very straightforward, very little stuttering or gaps within it. And that all feels like really conscious choice or it's actually just nervousness of, and then she just comes into the conversation of, I am like actually very angry and there's all this outlet and outpouring that comes out at the end, but it feels too delicately constructed to just be happenstance really, because everything is so tailored to make the audience both within the Sydney opera house, which is where this is. Mm -hmm. And then whomever is watching at home to feel that tension. And then, Gadsby saying, there's no more jokes. You're going to live in this state of tension that basically I live in. Um, and it's just, it's deeply good and deeply powerful. Yeah, the the raw honesty at the end and the, the intensity of her performance and her convictions at the end is so incredibly organic Mm-hmm. But you know she had to practice this a bunch of times. She's done this so right. many times. And so to be able to channel that when you get towards the end so authentically is inc- it's just like that's what I was, especially the second time, that's what I was marveling at. Because it feels like, like when you're watching this, it feels like, you know, comedy bit, joke, and pivot. And you know it's constructed, but it feels like it's her first time saying this stuff. Yeah. And so that I was just marveling at the performance the second time. This is going to be at the end of the year one of the things I remember for performance. Uh cuz it's very like I'm on even just separate from the writing like the delivery of everything is just so well tuned and so so uh again so organic. The like you said at the beginning it is very like you can and you can also feel like she's probably nervous. She's been doing this forever, but you know, you at a certain point, you don't stop getting nervous. Like you, when you get, you know, you're good at something. You're less, you're nervous in a different way, but you don't. Those nerves don't completely go away. But you can hear it. Like in her, her pitch is higher. Um, the it's more staccato. You know, the delivery. It's a lot more. You know, um, but then as it goes, that watching her put up and then take down those personas as suits what she's. You know, the desired effect is just really. It's just so well done. Uh, as it, it also, of course, helps that it lines up with my ideology about some of this stuff, about the art and the artist. Uh, she goes in this extended art history thing, which is absolutely great, the notion that you need to suffer in order to create art um, and what that means uh, is, is just awesome. But, it, you know, it it's for me, it's very it's it's very I thought it was very funny, but it wasn't it's not laugh out loud like, you know, this is not your Mulaney stand-up, right? It's very different. But I still was, <laughs> there were some laughs of recognition and like, you know, like the old, like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way before, you know, kind of stuff that, that works really well. And then she keeps, like, she keeps changing the ratio of truth bomb to funny <laughs> as yeah. it goes along. And uh, and it just, it works incredibly well. Uh, do you have a favorite, like, section of the show or was it just as the whole 
Well, I think the holes was just really strong. I remember I was uh, sort of listening slash watching to it, and I uh, texted my a friend of mine who had watched it already and mentioned it, and she had said like how really difficult it was to watch it. And so I was watching, and I was just like, "This seems fine." And then there's like a pivot in like the first twenty twenty five minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, this took a turn really fast. And then my friend was just like, oh, wait, no, that's, where are you? And I'm just like, I'm like 25 minutes in. And she's just like, oh, no, there's more. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> there's more pivoting. Just wait for it. Yeah. Um, but I think that, like, you mentioned the art history sort of tangent. Again, like, it's too constructed to be a tangent. Yeah. Air quotes um, tangent, yeah. Yeah. But it's very good. And um, I appreciate that's grounded in like, again, it's grounded in a sense of experience, but it's grounded also in to make a larger point, which is why it feels more like a talk, a lecture um, about what comedy is and how it functions more so than anything else. It's setting up like an argument. It's a it feels like a divergent tangent, but it's actually thematically and ideologically relevant. And so I think that's one of those kind of things where I go, this seems like a digression, except it's not. Mm-hmm. And then Gatsby is able to tie it back into a number of other things that she discusses at the end. And I think that that's, again, it speaks to just how really well calibrated this is. And to your mentioning of like the her ability to basically have the audience in her hand the entire time. And the way that she's able to keep them there and keep them compelled and doesn't really give them space to applaud what ostensibly are like applause lines or applause statements. There's nothing like that, which could be sort of a cultural difference in Australia. Maybe that's just not how they do this kind of a thing, whereas... In the U.S., that's just how it works. Well, like, there's that one um, moment, right, where the audience starts to... to right. Kind to of, applaud, yeah. Kind, you know, like, sections of the audience do, but she doesn't let them. You mm-hmm. know? Like, she doesn't, like, acknowledge that or give that space the way that you right. would if you wanted the rest of the audience to jo- join in. She's like, eh, no, that's too easy. It's like, yeah. I see you, audience. Yeah. And, like, that... You're looking for a relief with this applause, and no. No. We're going to yet. stay in this... We're going to stay in this little sweat pool that I've made for everyone right here, right now, for a little while longer. Yeah. Yeah. And then she gives, like... She gives a laugh to a segment of the audience that will need it, you know, towards the yeah. end. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about with them. Spoiling it and and like and and again, I just was really taken by the craft of it of knowing she knows how far she can stretch it without becoming didactic, and so she needs to give a little back and then she can keep going. You know, it's just it's very well done, and uh, I, I I imagine it's even more interesting and powerful for people familiar with her work who will have heard some of the stories that she references from her first stand up. Cause she she kind of like fills in start takes some stories that that she used in her first stand up special, the first like show that she did, one woman show, and then gives greater context to them here, um, in a way that would be very satisfying in a season premiere, season finale kind of way. Um, yeah. But it makes me want to go seek out more of her work and uh, get more familiar with her comedy because you know I love this nerd stuff. It's the same way that I engage with, like the way that I engage with music is different from other people. Yeah. Um and and that really b- colors how I experience art and how I 
consider the world around me. She has the same thing, but with our history. Um, and, and to a, you know, in a much more articulate manner <laughs> than, I, than I do. But, uh, but, but it's, it is so, I really appreciate that as well. And it's this distinct perspective that is just really powerful. And, uh, you know, and dropping it in the middle of uh, Pride Month, I thought it was also pretty great. Uh, it's one that I I hope people will seek out. I need to to post about it more on social media because there are some um, some some acquaintances that I have that I think would really benefit from watching it. But it's also such a personal show; you don't want to be like you should watch this, right? Because it it it's like I think you would really like this. I think everyone would really like it, you know. So, but like, I I I'm not ready to go door to door. Like telling people watch this thing, maybe I should. It is that good, but um, but yeah. So I I just, I just hope everybody seeks it out because because I, I think it's um it's well it's well worth the time and uh, get to know Hannah Gadsby's voice and uh, don't just don't go in expecting it to be a laugh riot because that's not what it's trying to be. No, it's not. And I think that you'd be doing a public service if you just started going door to door and saying, "I will pay for a month of net- Netflix for you if you watch this." I don't have that money. Uh, door to door vote. Also watch this Netflix special. It's excellent. <laughs> um, next up, also excellent, is Steven Universe. Uh, we've we've had uh, quite a bit of time off, or at least it feels like forever, since yeah. Single Pale Rose. And we're back with Steven Bomb, The Heart of the Crystal Gems. Uh, we have seen, we've both seen, Now We're Only Falling Apart and What's Your Problem? I've seen the yes. question. Um, so let's start with Now We're Only Falling Apart. Now, did this live up to the tension of the cliffhanger for you. This was our, basically it's the Sapphire episode. Right. Um, it's an interesting episode. I think that it wants to, it has to like fill in a bunch of sort of gaps of like, this is how this happened. This is how that happened. This is how this came about. And it's good, I think, overall. Um, and I like that, it falls to Sapphire to be the one who is the most frustrated and furious about this. Um, in part because it sort of traces back to Garnet's frustration with her future vision. Mm-hmm. And then Sapphire being unable to have seen this coming, basically. <laughs> that this was not an option. And I like that kind of a thing. Um, so... so but I do think that there's a number of, like, sort of... It's weird because what's your problem also, like, allows for this space to acknowledge. But then in this case, that it's a desire to sort of conceptualize Rose in a way that is just weird, I think. of mm-hmm. The whole sort of meant well childlike sort of thing that I appreciate being present since that always seemed like, again, roses slash pinks, however we want to call her, yeah. always seemed some some in some way self-motivated and self-involved. Um, so having confirmation of that is fine, but there's just an ele- element of like the performance and the writing that I think boils down to wanting her to be sympathetic in this sort of thing that I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate like what's your problem sort of acknowledging that frustration in a way that doesn't totally let her off the hook in a way that I feel like Sapphire's ability to understand what happens sort of comes through by the end of um, uh, uh, Now We're Falling Apart. 
but I've sort of like I'm clearly having a weird sort of reaction to that episode because I'm not being able to articulate it as well as I want. So how did you feel about it? And maybe I can like sort myself out of that more. <laughs> Um, well, this is one that, you know, I've been checking in with my sister. We both are Steven fans all week as we watch these and just kind of, you know, checking in and see what we think. And, you know, she, she, I, I've, I'm more on board with this one than she is, but I really agree with something she said, which was, it just, it feels like it's too easy. It yeah. lets, it lets Rose off the hook too much and too quickly. The, um, you know, they, they really don't um, shy away from the really selfish and negative parts of her personality and this choice and this, this lie. Um, but And I like that they don't just make her a complete villain. They keep it... Yeah. To, they keep it three-dimensional. They, they don't let it just become, well, actually, this whole thing was just, you know, egotism. And, you know, they don't uh, do that either, which I appreciate. But... Yeah. Um, but for as out of character and strong and visceral a reaction that we saw Sapphire have, she came around way too easily and way too quickly. It just took like a pep talk from Pearl and that was it. And that's like when you have someone who doesn't break, doesn't break, doesn't break, doesn't break, doesn't break, and then finally does the way we see happen with Sapphire, that's like it's. It's basically like we're going to talk about when we get to Claws with <laughs> Quiet Anne. That kind of thing, you have to, if you push somebody who's very steady past their limit, it takes a while to let all of that out. And like this, it's not just this moment. It's not just this reveal that has, that, that causes this reaction. It's all the other times that she didn't respond. It's, it's the, the t- previous time we saw at the hotel, the motel, Ruby pacing in the pool and Sapphire calm inside. That's just one example of a previous time where she didn't blow up or she didn't respond emotionally, but she registered that and and it all built up to this point. And I don't think that this episode earned that with what came later. Now, maybe that'll change. Maybe there's more yet to come, but based on the fact that like the next episode is the Amethyst episode, the next episode is the Ruby episode. I'm not anticipating that we're going to have another Sapphire episode uh, before yeah. the end of this Stephen Bomb. So I, I think we're pretty much done with her reaction. And it's uh, it, it, that's disappointing. It should be more complex. It should be more. I mean, like you add on the lies for Rose, right? There's so many like Bismuth, right? How does she not mention the lie about Bismuth? When yeah, she's which no one about has this? really talked about, like hasn't mentioned at all. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, when you have such a well-crafted mythology as this show does, and and, uh, one that so regularly pays off uh, in beautiful and unexpected ways, it's it's history and the characters' histories, it makes this one just really uh, shrink in comparison for me. So I liked the episode. I thought what we got was good, but I didn't buy the tidiness of the end and I'm hoping we will get something more that makes it work. I don't know that we can. Do you have any other thoughts? No, I agree that I just don't think there's an inclination either um, Mm -hmm. that they're going to go for that. And I think some of this is just like they have too many threads to sort of address almost. 
and they can only do so much and they've got what really legitimately feels like a massive end game approaching yeah um, well and the decision to not spend more time like i feel like in the past they would have yeah and they're choosing not to now and that is strange to me yeah um unless the show's about to end and we don't know that and they do yeah. so yeah. yeah sorry i yeah. interrupted you no no you're fine that was Kind of where I was winding up to anyway, so you're fine. Um, what about the Amethyst episode, which is uh, Amethyst and Ruby, uh, Amethyst and Steven go look for Ruby, and Amethyst keeps trying to poke Steven and get him to talk, and uh, we think it's going to be a Steven episode, and really it's an Amethyst episode. I was really glad to get an Amethyst episode, weirdly, um, mm-hmm. as I'm not like always like a big, huge Amethyst like episode fan, because sometimes those episodes can feel a little samey sometimes, but I, I do think that this episode's really fun. Um, and I like the actual sort of conflict that boils out in the discussion at Fish Stew Pizza. Also, that pizza almost put me off Pizza Kate. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it, just, it looks super gross. <laughs> it looked very gross, and I was not okay with it. And I appreciate Steven sort of going like, I'm not sure we can eat this. Mm. Um, but I like that it results in not only a discussion about sharing emotions and being very forward with emotions, but also acknowledging the fact that of the crystal gems, Amethyst has become sort of the most mature of them in that Amethyst deals with her shit, even if it's not always, even if she doesn't always want to, and she almost never (laughs) wants to, Mm -hmm. but she's routinely confronted with her issues, whether it's dealing with Jasper and her sense of inadequacy in that regard, or just her sense of inadequacy as a stunted amethyst. Mm -hmm. But she's always tackling these things because they keep getting forced on her, but she's not able to avoid them in the same way Pearl represses things in layers upon layers of organization and memories and mess Mm -hmm. or Garnet just sort of not and assuming things are just kind of fine or that they can deal with them as a result of their vision. And so I like that there's this nice juxtaposition of Amethyst living very much in the present. And I like that that's our resolution. But I also like the very victorious helicopters, don't be in my head (laughs) joke. And then them helicoptering across the ocean in this very kind of glorious, rewarding moment as they find Ruby and Mr. Universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a very sweet, very silly episode. I liked it more than I think I liked more now that we're only falling apart, though. Yeah, no, I would agree. And, you know, I I wanted more from Sapphire. Mm -hmm. I'm glad... I mean, I would have liked if we had gotten more from Amethyst, but I also really appreciate the choice... To have her be the adult and be like, no, I like, thank you for wanting me to talk, but I'm not going to talk. And that's like, there are times when that's appropriate. Like there, they've, the show has done plenty of episodes about how it's not healthy to bottle up your emotions and you got, it's important to trust your friends and your family um, and to, and let them be there for you. I mean, that whole thing with Connie and, and Steven, right. They've, yeah. they've really embraced that uh, theme as like when, when watching these characters deal with massive trauma. Um, and so it was, it was kind of great to see that be, nope, we're, we, you, we're getting a glimpse at my issues with this right now, but 
I remember that you're a kid <laughs> and I'm comparatively an adult. And so it's not fair or appropriate or healthy to treat you like you're my therapist. And it's sweet that you want to help and I will remember it and I will like, that's great. And I, you know, I'm always here for you, but like, we're not going to actually make this one about me. I, I, it was, it was lovely. And, uh, a good contrast to some of the other stuff we're seeing. We're see- and, and a good con- contrast to the thread of Stephen helping the gems, like being yeah. emotional support Stephen. <laughs> so it was, that was good. It was nice. Uh, the question is a cowboy-themed Ruby one. And nice. Yeah, there's a song. It's Yes. There's a song. You, I think it's, it's a good song. It's a fun song. Um, we see Amethyst Shapeshift into a horse, uh, which is from the trailer. You will have seen that. And... Uh, it the ending the ending is very sweet it's a bit too human normative for me <laughs> okay i would have liked a, a like a shout out to that mm-hmm. um and maybe we'll get that in the next episode but uh i thought it was very sweet and i really appreciate cuz because like Fusion is this very distinctly Steven Universe and alien thing in you know in the show. I think they do a good job of not making it a one for one individuals becoming a couple kind of a thing. It's that, but it's also not that. It really depends on each fusion. And uh, I appreciate I really appreciate that. And I appreciate how just like sweet and swooningly romantic they have made uh, Sapphire and Ruby. Um, over the show's run, and we get a little bit the spoiler. We get a little bit more of that here, um, and I, so I really appreciate that. Just how like straightforwardly romantic those two are with each other, because we almost never see them individually, right? Right. Yeah. So it, it's something that I really appreciate when we do get to see them together. Um, and that's all I will say until I, you know it, it did make me think of Bimo and his Bimo like cowboy song that we had oh, okay, on nice. <laughs> Adventure Time a little bit. Um, so now I just kind of need like someone on YouTube to put the the BMO cowboy song and the Ruby cowboy song like next to each other, and that'll be ah, awesome. Ah. Um, but yeah, so so I liked the, this one too. Uh, I think "What's Your Problem" is my favorite of the three so far, and we will see what happens. We'll have more on this next week with you know the next two episodes, the the Maid of Honor, and then Reunited, which is the uh, two part conclusion to this week's Stephen Bomb. So more on that next week. Let's move on to DuckTales Day of the Only Child, which um, is, you know, a Huey, Dewey, and Louie episode. I was just talking about last week that um, I didn't think Huey, Dewey, and Louie episodes were that interesting. And this Mm -hmm. one was pretty good. It's still not nearly as interesting as the Webby episodes for me. But this is definitely the most interested I have been in Huey, Dewey, or Louie in quite a while. What, What did you think of this one? I think it's, again, it's a really, it's a fun episode. It's not as fun or enjoyable as the previous two episodes have been, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that they set up situations in which each of them were sort of paired with another duo, dysfunctional in some way, and like learned a lesson about being, how important it is to be a sibling and that kind of a thing while still doing really ridiculous sort of things, whether it's with two disgruntled beagle boys or two very deeply broken parents mm-hmm. <laughs> or web webby and a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that 
but each each sequence also I think allowed for especially given the runtime I thought that each one felt really appropriate for each particular brother which I really like so the woodchucks the social climbing and then the ridiculous scheme sort of thing in a way um plus i just like that we spent so much time with dewey tonight like i did not expect us to have that much time with dewey tonight and we had so much time with it and in fact a lot of it reminded me of um when joker takes over a talk show in batman the animated series yeah and i just went oh this is very good it's very terrible but it's very good and so i enjoyed all of that and the only thing that I would have wanted more of is like Webby being like, but but it's so great. I'm an only child and I, I love this bond that you guys have. And just a little bit more of that would have been really great. But I'm also just super excited about this week's episode. Um, <laughs> since it's we have to go rescue Miss Beakley and it's a Webby and Scrooge team up episode. I'm just like, yes. Yeah, that's that's going to be good. Um, I, like, I wish we had gotten this episode so much sooner in the run. Yeah. For DuckTales, yeah. because, like, it's not just having one of the brothers have an episode. By, like, the structure really highlights the individuality of the three characters and, like, how they're defining them. Yes. That would have helped if we'd had that way at the beginning. It would have helped us keep them straight so much sooner. And maybe they just didn't have this idea until later. You know, the writers came up with it later. But if this is one that they were, like, kind of saving, uh, then I don't understand. <laughs> um, but, no, I, and, and, like you said, yeah. the pace, the pacing was good. There was just uh, enough or, like, short enough amount of time for each one, um, which which worked nicely. And, yeah, and it was it was it was fun. It was a good it was a good uh, wacky adventure with them. And it may be a good uh, like you never really felt like they were in peril. So so it may be a good uh, contrast to some of the other ones we've gotten recently. It's hard to feel like you're in peril when Doofus Drake is the one you're dealing with because yeah. it's, it's Doofus Drake. Though I think that they did a really good like spin on Doofus Drake, who's mm-hmm. exactly what his name implies typically, and instead turning him into this sociopathic rich boy is just so good <laughs> and so very specific that I didn't. I was very happy with that sort of re reinvention of that character. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with that character, so. Yeah, yeah, but it worked. It worked for yeah. me as a first timer. Um, okay, let's move on to the bold type, Stride of Pride, and uh, yeah, I, I first of all, not cool messing with my Kadena, um, and we'll get back to that, I'm sure. But w- let's start with the other parts of the episode. Uh, let's start with the part of this episode I was most excited about, um, and that was the examine your privilege. Um, Will Jane get hired? And no, she doesn't get hired because they're looking for a diversity candidate. Um, and the smackdown she gets from Kat about that. Uh, let's, let's start with that because I thought it was good. I was hoping for more. And I was also hoping for more. Like I guess it was very in, in character, but I was hoping for a, okay, you were suited to this job, but you didn't bring anything new, which means this other person was more suited to this job than you. So it's not, they didn't just get this job and you didn't because they are a diversity hire. They got this job because they compliment and bring something new to a, an office that already has a bunch of views. And yeah. I was frustrated that the show didn't make that point. Yeah, I was too. And like you, I think it's good, but I also sort of struggle with the fact that it just never seemed to go just 
a little bit further, which is what I was waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, one more like little uh, like turn of the screw sort of thing of like, this is the final step of like realizing this error and realizing how you sound and what you're saying. And that while yes, Rosé is the appropriate apology wine in this situation, it's still, there's an undercurrent here that I feel like should be explored a bit more, basically. I also uh, was a little frustrated that it was left to Cat to do that. Yes. And, like, Sutton should have been in this storyline, too. We yeah. need to, we, we should have had our white characters checking each other's privilege, not just relying on the, the biracial character, the black character, uh, you know, to, to be the one to call them out for that. Like, Sutton would have been the perfect person. Because, like, I could absolutely see Kat thinking that, but not saying it, because she doesn't want to push too far because she's already pushing on this topic but Sutton easily could have been the character to say well you said that like you got you know you had a lot in common with them and that like half the studio half the work newsroom works lives where you do so it sounds like maybe they were they they already have your feel like they have your perspective and and so maybe you need to look for some place that doesn't have your perspective maybe you need to seek out jobs places that aren't as theoretically perfect a fit like that would have been ex- something sudden easily could have contributed to this conversation and it wouldn't have turned it into like people who are watching it is the job of the black friend to check the privilege of the white people yeah, except Sutton was way too busy deciding whether or not to tell a woman that she had sex with her husband. Yeah, I was, uh, I kept waiting for that to be a ethical non-monogamy situation. Yeah. I was too, and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And, uh, I mean, I appreciate that too. I like that it's not always wins for every, because like... Yeah. I'm sorry, like, Jane is freelancing for like two seconds, and she's like, I'm ready to have a real job again. It's like, that's... That's not how it works. Do you know what percentage of the freelancers out there would love to have a salaried position, like a steady job? It's a lot. It's most. Um, so I found that really laughable. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so it's nice that it's not always, you know, everything turning out perfect for them so easily. But um, but yeah, that, you know, I that was a little... I don't know. It was fine. I guess I, I'm more interested in Sutton's other things that she has going on than just her very good chemistry with her kind of boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I just, it didn't land anything. And I'm not sure that it necessarily said much of anything either, which was also really frustrating. Um, it'd be, it would have been different if, like, what's his name, too old? The only young person on the board guy. (laughs) (laughs) Richard. Which, Richard, thank you. Um, If she had been involved with him and he was married in some sort of situation, then this, like, situation would have felt relevant, but it also would have been a season one situation. Yeah. And so it just, it seemed like an idea that they had in season one. (laughs) Yeah. And then just didn't do anything with it until now. Yeah. Well, just, like, the idea that, a good man is hard to find and you threw one away for your yeah. career, silly you. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like the show should be more, but it, like, it's a very human thing. I like, I buy her having that moment. Um, I just hope that, that this is a moment and doesn't become like part of a, like a, I don't want them to be like a series long OTP. Like, will they, won't they? Yeah. And I yeah, feel like this kind of a move sets that up. 
also because Richard is really boring. And he's never been that compelling as a romantic figure for me. So it's just like kind of a, really? Him? Okay, I guess, but I don't <laughs> see it. Um, what about, uh, what, what about the stuff with, uh, uh, Kadena? The dream sequence fake out was not acceptable. And the promo for hey, next I'm week's glad, episode. I'm, I'm glad it was a dream sequence. That's all I can say. And the promo for next week's episode is also not acceptable. Yeah. Uh, Lady, you don't have to tell your girlfriend about every dream you have. Yeah. Just saying. And yeah, just saying. You don't need to do that. And it doesn't mean anything that you had a sexy dream about another woman. It just means that you had a sexy dream about another woman. That's mm-hmm. that's all it means. Yeah. 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 So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens next. Yeah, but it made me very sad and uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know that I'd trust this to just be like a yeah, you had you had a sex dream. Yeah. And <laughs> like I know yeah. you're new to to like dating women and like this is a new experience and relationship for you, uh, like you know. But that doesn't, you know, like I, maybe they'll go that way with it, and maybe that's yeah. what we'll, we'll see from the next week. But I, based on the rest of this episode, I'm not predicting that. So we'll see. <laughs> um, let's move on to our last episode of the week in TV, and that is Claw's Scream, or AKA the Quiet Anne episode. And it was, it was so AKA great. Judy Reyes wants an Emmy. Yeah, <laughs> AKA so. give Judy Reyes an Emmy. Yeah. Just like a lifetime achievement sort of thing at this point. Yeah, oh yeah. Always, for always being great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, this episode was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in part because I think one of the things that this season in particular, even though we're only like four episodes in, mm-hmm. which is a crazy thing to feel about because I feel like we've done a lot already. Yes. Yes. Um, but the fact that I feel like we're sort of like, weirdly sort of stepping away from Desna sometimes mm-hmm. is really good. And like giving room for basically a big quiet Anne episode of like, this is how Anne thinks about literally everything that's happening in this episode, which affords a number of the other actors, like a little bit of time off, which is probably good and probably why this episode is here. But also you have Judy Reyes and you want to give her stuff to do. <laughs> um, but the sort of callback to what we got with the Brady Bunch abortion discussion, the giving up the child, then having this circle around um, as something that she had with, oh, what's her name? Um, Arlene. Arlene, thank you. Uh, was really good. I really liked that, even if it ends up being in a really bad place and I'm not I'm not great about that and the emotional trauma. We're headed trauma. towards tragedy. We're heading towards so much tragedy. Um, but I like the whole, like, calling out of Desna that happens as a result of this episode, I think is really, really good and really, really important. Since, given that so much has happened in these three episodes, and it's really easy to feel like Desna has sort of backseated her girls that have been supporting her through basically all of season one to get her to this point, and now Desna is basically just like, get mine, type of thing, and... Everything else will sort of shake itself out. And I really like how that's playing out. And I like that this sort of calls attention to that. And we get more of it through Jennifer's continuing spiral um, with all the Bryce stuff, understandably spiraling with all the Bryce stuff. Um, But then we also just get that amazing musical number, which is just Dean Norris singing off key, but still singing. Um, The guy who plays Roller just looking 
stud as hell, but with like a tambourine type. Thing. He's just like gangster walking down the aisle, but he's got the tambourine. He's just like gently clapping. I'm just like, this is very good. This is a show that understands its tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of it's just really good. But I think that the other thing is, is that this episode in particular, but also sort of the whole debate aesthetic thing that they did in Russian Navy their way of sort of working the salon as a perspective place, as this space where things come out, where things are told and things are explored. Also like with the Brady Bunch um, block sequence, it's really good and it's really smart and it's really creative for them to keep this space in play, but to do it in ways that are very off the wall, very weird, but also like we've sort of talked about with Cracker Casserole, all feel of a piece of this show's particular tone. And that's really key. And this is why like them getting a season three renewal is so good and so really vital, especially for them so that they can allow themselves to start thinking ahead that far, I think is really yeah. great as well. So, but I've, I've been monologuing a little bit. How did you feel about Scream? Well, and first of all, we should, you know, clarify the the Brady Brunch thing was at the abortion clinic, but it's with right. all the voices of the people from the salon. So, yes. yeah, like really, it reserving- keeps the salon in play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The dynamics at the salon, like it, that's where you're going to have these conversations with those characters. As soon as like any of the other parts of the show, those characters are there. That it's a different it's a different feel it's a different tone and that's not then where you're going to have these conversations and uh, uh, yeah that works really well in Russian Navy. <laughs> I love that when we cut to the phone call and it's like theoretically breaking the illusion. There are still podiums there. Like yeah, no, like, they've actually done all of this. <laughs> it's it's crazy and hilarious and I love it. It was super fun and also oh man, the the boyfriend the who's actually the the gangster or whatever um his creepy strawberry feeding was so creepy nope nope just all the nope all the nope um so yeah that was that was really good um this episode you know the reyes just nails all the dramatic stuff which is was so necessary to ground everything heightened that we got in this episode and that we continue to get in this season it really has only been a few weeks in in the show's timeline, but for us, only a few episodes since uh, uh, Zolta showed up. Anyways, this, this new crime boss showed up, and it does feel like like he doesn't just way too on board, way too quickly, and uh, that is frustrating and very out of character. Um, from what we were seeing last season, like last season, they didn't even want any, they didn't want anything to do with this stuff. They were doing their best. Like the, the salon itself was legit. And everybody else who worked there besides Desna, they knew that laundering was happening, but they weren't doing any of it. They weren't doing anything criminal. Um, and while they each had various levels of checkered pasts, that's completely, like you didn't get a sense that Jennifer has a checkered past that she has a past history of crime just of you know struggling with alcohol abuse um and so to have then now we got prostitution drug running enforcement like there's a whole list of things that all these characters are very comfortable doing that i don't think we saw them comfortable doing even like six episodes ago if we want to go back to the end of last season um so i liked that they really did 
draw attention to that in Desna, that shift from I want to protect my girls and get us completely out of all this because uh, they never asked to be in it to fully immersing herself and seeming to be completely on board with all levels of illegal activities. Um, and uh, I mean, we'll see that. I imagine, I imagine we'll see that continue to develop um, as the season continues, but like um, slowing down and just spending time with and surfing, for example, was a very good call. And, and really, I think, gave us a different perspective and a needed perspective on the other characters actions and ever all the crazy stuff that's been that's been going on uh did you like how they gave polly a twin sister that we're definitely seeing soon i'm so excited about that that i cannot even begin to tell you like <laughs> i just i can't begin to tell you how excited i am about that because it's going to be insane mm-hmm. it's just going to be so ridiculous i'm very here for it yeah I mean, they could theoretically have had her die tragically and all that, but like, and then come back. But based on this show and the way that what they've been doing this season, there's no way we're not getting Preston acting with Preston. Yeah, no, it, it it'll happen, and it'll just be lovely. It'll be so lovely. Maybe they'll resurrect Michael Emerson's Dixie Mafia guy. Yeah, somehow, and we just, can just have just all for, of them together. Yeah, just for the funsies. Um, any other thoughts on this episode or sort of where the season is is going? That, like, I should mention that, like you said, that musical number was fantastic. And listeners, I will be playing it at the end of the segment. There's only one segment this week. I was like, oh yeah. no, there are two musical numbers. Don't care. Using yeah. them both. <laughs> No, and I do think I do think that your point about Desna being really on board and them being on board is an important one. But I also think that, especially for Desna, she's seeing this as a much quicker way to achieve things than mm-hmm. what she was going to achieve with the nail salon. I do wish that the salon was more front and center again. I liked them doing nail competitions. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping maybe after we have what's setting, getting setting, setting up in this episode with, uh, that poor, poor, stupid man being arrested, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that will cool down maybe just a little bit, but I also don't see Zalta allowing them to cool down despite her understandings that personal and personal and work balance, personal life and work balance is very important. Um, because I don't necessarily think that she sees that as a personal thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Um, yeah, still very much enjoying Claws. Everybody, catch up with Claws. You'll be very yeah. glad you did. What wins your week in TV this week? Um, Nanette, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that there's another answer to that. Um, one thing I will mention those that uh, summer anime seasons kicked off a little bit. And uh, Banana Fish over on Amazon seems promising as a sort of a gangster um, story, which is normally not my bag. But this storyline seems compelling. It's based on the manga from the 80s, and they've updated it a little bit. But it seems promising. The animation's not great, which is disappointing. But the story seems like it could be pretty good. But um, yeah, it's definitely Nanette. And I'm assuming it's the same for you. Yeah, I liked um, what we got in Dietland this week, particularly what they mm-hmm. were giving Tamara Tooney to do. She was yes, she was really good. Um, and uh, I mean, she's always good, but they gave her more material. And then Pose was another really terrific episode. Really great stuff for um, for, for for the the lead cast, I would say. 
but it was very like Electra and Blanca centric. And mm-hmm. I really like what they did there. And I'm, I'm intrigued with what's going to happen next. With Kate Mara just met Angel. So uh, I don't care enough to learn her name. The white girl in the suburbs just <laughs> met one of the main characters who her husband's having an affair with. And um, yeah, we'll see where that's going now. Hopefully it'll, there's, then it'll get, have given us a reason for why we were spending all that time with them. But I just I don't care about the dudes. I don't care about the dudes working for Trump at all um yeah hopefully the show will recenter the time away from them though it will i will say it was only like an hour this week it wasn't an extra long episode so well that's really impressive i'm sure that there's a two-hour episode waiting in the wings (laughs) i'm just saying like if they're gonna give time to the white dudes working for trump um who i just james vanderbeek i just i just don't care it's a good performance i just don't care about the character at all they better Mm -hmm. not do it in an extra long episode you know what i mean like because if it's an episode that's going over for time just cut cut those scenes as far as I'm concerned. But this one wasn't an extra long episode, so I didn't feel as strongly about that. (laughs) Um, But again, it is still Nanette. Absolutely no questions. Definitely Nanette for me this week. So everybody, again, go seek it out on Netflix. Uh, Now we will take a break. Listen to that, the at least the beginning of that delightful musical number from Claus. And then we'll listen to a trailer for season two of Glow and come back with our conversation about, yeah, the second season of everybody's favorite ladies wrestling comedy, I guess, sitcom. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. On, on Netflix. We'll be right back after this. Oh, baby. Why stop now? Opened up your legs to a square dance in June. You got a blowjob from my mom. You're guilty too. He's a crackhead. She's a drunk. They sometimes work the steps. Why stop now? film ladies exciting stuff feels a little different around here and we got a few men in the gym finally Woo! Hubba, hubba. all right don't distract them they have work to do i'm excited aren't you excited my costume still smells like beer and racism was i supposed to wash these you have a good break yeah just getting divorced it's complicated Usually you do a lot better job of keeping your weird friendship stuff out of the ring. Just hope she can keep up. You're on that show, right? Glow. Welfare queen. What'd you call my mom? It's a wrestling show. I'm not the only offensive character. Everyone's offensive. We have fans. I mean, the girls get letters. There's weirdos waiting outside for me. Wait. You're my favorite. I can see that. We're going to be canceled. I can't believe this. I know this is going to be hard, but I believe in miracles, and we are going to make this miracle happen. We are the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. (laughs) 
You want to wrestle with mommy? So when you're older, you can talk about it with your therapist. We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it's time for our deep dive on Glow, which had its second season. I think a very well-received overall second season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, we both liked the first season to different amounts. Uh, how did how did this one work for you? Was it a worthy follow-up, or um, did it improve on season one, or were you left wanting? What did you think? Well, when I previewed it uh, last week, mm-hmm. I mentioned that there didn't seem to be like a strong center for this season and that carried through with the next five um and i think it hurts the show to a certain degree i don't think it like hurts the show a lot um but i do think that it feels it ends up making the season feel really transitiony which is by design given how the finale works um, but I do think that the season overall is very enjoyable. I think there's, there's a number of really good bits. I just don't think it has a really strong narrative spine to it, especially given some of the character choices that kind of end up like circulating as a result where I just go, these are all really great kind of things that I would have liked to have seen played out a bit more front and center as opposed to in the wings off screen where, um, Yolanda and Arthi are suddenly sort of a couple and Arthi has realized that she's at the very least into Yolanda. And I'm just like, that happened off screen entirely. Right. I didn't, we didn't have an episode about this Mm -hmm. and I just skipped over it by accident. This is just something that happened. Um, where I go, this is something that's really interesting. And I'm really hoping season three, if they get one explores this, but I think that's sort of the thing where there are a number of episodes where they explore their characters, particularly like episode four, which is just Tammy and um, Debbie. Um, But it it needed like more room, basically, sometimes I felt like. And it's it's the rare Netflix show where I wanted a few more episodes than fewer episodes. Um, But overall, I think the season's really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, But it's not like upper echelon sort of discussions of television for me this year. Um, But it's good. It's very enjoyable. Um, How did you feel about it? Yeah, it was fun. Um, I feel like it's way overhyped. Like, way overhyped. Like, it it was fun. I enjoyed myself. I laughed out loud sometimes, and I chuckled many times. They have a really terrific cast, and there's very interesting things happening, like you said, at the margins. And they're not spending time on those things. Yeah. Like, what a waste. (laughs) Like, the Tammy episode is really good. And I would love to have gotten, like, an Arthi episode. And I would have loved to have gotten, like, like what everything they're doing with Cherry in this, it's interesting. But then, but, like, why is it there? There, again, for me... There were too many episodes at the beginning of the season and not enough episodes at the end of the season. Like, it's, I didn't need fewer episodes. I needed them to condense everything that we saw over the first, like, four episodes. Sure. Into, like, two. Yeah, and then I can give, see that. Didn't give more time other other places. When we get the stuff with Bash that we get towards the end of the season, I thought that was incredibly compelling. And it's all... But I'm filling in so many gaps Yes. So I like that the show doesn't uh they don't they don't even say grid, let alone aids. Um yeah. but they let you fill in the gaps on that. But we like 
what his response makes complete sense to like freak out and 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 the stuff we get at the end with Britannica like makes sense for that. But I'm having to do so much work to make that make sense. Like I'm having to explore the character's inner life entirely. Like filling in all the gaps and everything we see from him fits like makes sense and it is like if he had gotten a, his, his own episode where you know sort, sort of like we got with Tammy it, then it, everything else we saw would have fit in perfectly with that and worked really nicely but we never got that episode I have I'm left imagining that episode and you know Chris Lowell would have crushed it uh-huh. I wanted to see that episode I wanted to see like you said the Arthi episode I wanted to like Poor, poor Yolanda gets nothing to do besides be a good dancer and and mess with Cherry by flirting with her, which was funny. And uh, and then um, the stuff with Arthur later on that comes out of sort of nowhere. Um, yeah, I, it's it, but we have time to do a stupid We Are the World parody. That episode's way too long. Um, yeah, I just... It was frustrating to me. I also thought, for me my strongest reaction to anything in the entire season was that I hated that they went to a romantic place with Ruth and Sam. That was one of the things I really appreciate about the first season is that they didn't do that. But for me, it didn't, I was, it just felt so predictable. This was a very ham fisted season. They telegraphed everything. They were very obvious about everything they wanted to do. And maybe that's a choice to match like the over the top heightened storytelling of wrestling with what they're doing in the show. Sure. But it nothing's very few things surprised me. The stuff with Bash surprised me and, and very pleasantly. The stuff the 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 decision to get Yolanda and Arthur together surprised me um but in a, in a very pleasant way. But most of the things that they did throughout the season, they just telegraphed the crap out of and didn't really bring any nuance to. And this is a show in the cast that absolutely can do that. But yeah, going to a romantic place with Ruth and Sam and then we're supposed to like like everything they did with Ruth with the the sleazy director I thought was over the top and very obvious. I felt like a lot of the stuff we were seeing did not feel like characters in the 80s. It felt like characters in a show about the 80s made now. Sure, and, sure, sure. And so it was just sort of disappointing because yes, it's good and it's fun and they have you know, they there's some really funny stuff and like the underplay, like does the stinger, like give Sam Mark Maron just like the the being an asshole, undercutting line at the end of the scene works almost every time and is an enjoyable watch, but it could be so much more. I do agree that it could be so much more. Um, the Sam and Ruth stuff, I feel like they they desperately want to do and i don't know why they want to do that yeah um even as they keep like kind of veering away from it and so i'm just like you don't need to do this this doesn't make any sense really it's not interesting and brie and Marin definitely don't have that kind of chemistry with one another at all and so it's uh, it's almost like it's a really bad annie and jeff thing from community all over again yep and I don't, I don't want it. It wasn't good in community. It's not particularly good here either. Um, but I do think that there are like really well calibrated elements. Like basically I feel like that entire thing in the hospital between Debbie and Ruth at the end is just like 
gangbusters. Um, their confrontation scene is just really, really good. It comes, I think, probably too late in the season. Um, there's too long of a gap between the two of them, like being really at odds with one another and interacting really heavily compared to where they were in the previous season. But it's still really good, I think. And both of them are just like so in it that that sequence just works really, really well. And it's really, it's really powerful and really hit hard, I think for me anyway. Um, but I think that the fact that that's the one scene that I can kind of go to where this is a really good dramatic thing that worked really well, but then I can't point to anything else is a little bit of a problem. Um, but then it's also just like small inconsistencies. Like as much as I like the actual glow episode a lot more than I think you did, um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I could have done without the, we are the world sort of parody. Cause that, that little bit went on way too long yeah but i the like the point is they all they see this funny because they all go on way too long it's like no but you're no. you've destroyed the pacing of your episode the pace yeah. that take that chunk out of the episode and the yeah. episode works great for me yeah and it also gives you more room to do kde tv commercial bits promos yeah. for, for like the quilting bit is so good <laughs> and so so specific and i really like it but my problem with that episode is the fact that Cherry's really good in that episode. She's like a terrific actor in that episode. And I just went, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Hang on. The entire thing was that Cherry was not a good actor. And now she's really, really good. And it's just like, I have a question <laughs> about the internal narrative consistency show. And that, that was like a, that was like an issue for me. Um, and I was really frustrated with that. I had trouble with, um, Parts of that and other parts, not so much. I will say, like, I absolutely agree. The hospital scene that we got with Debbie and Ruth was terrific. Um, but I thought the stuff that we got leading up was just really obvious with them. I didn't, again, I didn't buy it, the tentativeness. Like, I thought they, we had seen them work through enough of their stuff that we needed to earn the, the back pedal, you know? Um, and we didn't. I didn't think. And, uh, and again, what we got was really good, but I also don't know how, like they had this interesting idea about her struggling as a, as a parent versus the long in like wanting to go to work versus stay at home with the kid. And, uh, I don't know how well they earned the, I'm gonna just leave my kid for who knows how long. And, like maybe visit on the weekends like that's a huge thing and i don't think that they earned it they just kind of threw that in at the very end of the show um i had trouble with that too based on what we had seen with with her and the kid and the the ex over the the episodes the course of the season so it was stuff like that that just got frustrating for me uh because i enjoyed elements like shit pope <laughs> so much which is a great name Great name for for the boyfriend's band. Um, I liked um, some of the stuff we were. I mean, I liked I liked a lot of the the details. I just had trouble with the arcing, and I felt like it was just very heavy handed. Like I like Ruth and Russell together. I liked the this them shooting the uh, ad or the, the 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 opening credits, but then everything they were doing with Debbie lashing out at him, like and and the gags they were getting out of him having worked in porn um, felt like they were trying to play with, is he a good guy or not too much and very heavy handed. I don't know. Did you have any trouble with that or was that just me? 
I think that was just you. Um, I was pretty fine with everything that they were doing with the two of them. And it felt... I don't think it felt heavy-handed. I do think it sort of circles back to your idea about doing a show about the 80s as opposed to a show set in the 80s of we're going to do a sort of a kind of an odd will they won't they sort of situation that could go either way kind of thing and i think that that's kind of where the weird tension for that was coming from if that makes sense no yeah i do i that makes sense that makes sense um i liked the pretty much everything with the 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 wrestlers hanging out at the pool and at the hotel. That was delightful. I enjoyed the various um, dramas of Melrose. Um, that was super fun. I liked the, like the, the biddies getting transformed into the toxic twins or whatever. Um, and, and Arthur's continued like frustration at having to, to play a terrorist um, and just like watching that, like crush her soul, was also very entertaining. That's <laughs> terrible, but it was it was funny. They did a good job at that part. Um, I would have loved more time with Carmen. I, I liked what we got, but then again, at the end of the season, I felt like all of a sudden they're like trying to do this. Carmen like assumed that Bash liked her and felt really hurt and betra- like they're trying to set up a triangle with Bash and Carmen and 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 Rhonda at the end and I was like I didn't feel like they had earned that um but but again I I do really enjoy a lot of these characters and I would have liked to have spent more time with with them you know I do and I think that one of the things I mean I was okay with the Carmen and Bash stuff um in part because I feel like the Carmen stuff is mostly established through a through like a lot of like looks of Carmen providing and like reaction shots from Carmen as opposed to any like overt narrative sort of discussion. So that one I think worked better for me than it did for you. But I, I think your overall point about the fact that they have this really compelling group of characters um, and then just finding enough for them to do and fleshing them out in ways that serve both the characters, but also like a larger sense of the story makes a big difference and that, Again, this gets back to like the main criticism that I think I have for season two is like there's no strong, there's not a strong enough central core for everyone to orbit around. So everything sort of like flies in and then flies out as opposed to feeling really grounded within a central sort of concern for the story. So it gets, it gets to your point about the, the arcing of the season. There just not being enough of one. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the things um, that that did work. I mean, you've been talking about them, but I'm going to join you in talking about them. Um, let's talk about Tammy and how she's terrific and such an interesting character. I loved the the standalone episode that they gave her and the the way they handled that relationship with her son and her son seeing her wrestle. Yeah, no, that episode was just um, that episode is um, mother of all matches, which is appropriate considering it's focused on the two established moms of the show. Um, <clears throat> but no, I really liked um, they began to interrogate sort of the larger racial implications of the welfare queen and this the toll that this could potentially take, but also the way that there's a degree. There's trade-offs in this, and I like the way that the show 
doesn't do it doesn't do enough to interrogate it, but at least is aware of it and is like wanting to address it. And it helps that Kia Stevens, who plays Tammy, is just so good and does a really good job of making both options of not options, but both making the tension of playing welfare queen versus the degree of empowerment that she feels from doing everything that she does in the ring. It makes it really believable and makes it really compelling and it makes that whole episode work, even if sort of the interrogation of it is a little too surface. Yeah. I love the what we got with Sheila and her creepy fans and that at the, by the end of the season, she's got like a whole wolf pack. Oh, she's got a wolf pack. <laughs> the the goat so thing. Oh, man. That was great. <laughs> oh, that poor goat. She warned him. And I liked, like, like mm-hmm. the Chicago uh, musical cue that comes in there um, right at the end, which is very appropriate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, the, the, the part of another part of the season I would have liked to have seen more of and to have seen more explored would was the stuff with Debbie and t- taking doing some coke and then like freaking out in the ring and, and hurting Ruth I thought everything we got after that was great but I would have loved much more and hopefully we'll get this in season three of an exploration of what you need in a partner in the ring and like how do you trust your partner in the ring and how do you because they have to make sure that each other doesn't get hurt how do you get back in the ring with that person I feel like where they left this until we have Debbie like confess, which I feel like is going to happen eventually. Um, they just, they really smoothed everything over so that that's not going to be a tension point. And that's disappointing to me because I, I think there's a lot to do with that. I do too. And I think that there's more room for them to do more with it, provided they get a season three, because the, I, the temptations of coping and how you cope in Vegas are very different from how you cope in a rundown gym in Los Angeles. And I think that that opens up a wealth of opportunities for Debbie as she sort of navigates what, especially now that she had this new role as producer that she struggled with and then what that translates to and them doing a Vegas stage show basically. And her level of input there is significantly different since she doesn't necessarily bring as much storyline aspect to that kind of a thing as opposed to what Ruth does. And so I'll be interesting to see how the decadence of 80s Vegas um, comes into play with Debbie's storyline. And, you know, it's just sad that they canceled the L.A. to Vegas. Because otherwise, I mean, Perry Gilpin could have just done some sort of weird time warp thing and just kept popping up on L.A. to Vegas. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, I also really like that they did just, like, fully embrace Ruth being a good director and especially Debbie being a good producer and yeah. really being having a knack for it. And, um, you know, they don't they, they I think they spend the appropriate amount of time w- with the guys being uh, resentful about it before they let. Oh, yeah, th- these guys are incompetent and she's actually smart. <laughs> so it, by the end of the season, they're all like a, they're a team and that. I thought that the the for that was one of the parts of the scene that really worked for me the progression of that because they're just too incompetent to hold out for too long. They are, but I also like that the Bash's entire solution is Muppets Take Manhattan is how we're going to fix this, and I just went, oh, that's so good for Bash. That is so perfect for Bash. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, um, but you, but I was you know I was 
I was all for the uh, um, yeah. Muppets. Of course, I always go to Arrested Development and uh, the, oh, that Funke. <laughs> What's your name, Tobias? Um, the the that episode was very heightened, but I thought they just kind of worked in the campy kind of like. F- just like a romp kind of mode. And I think that's that's one of the modes in which the show really works. I don't know if they always know their tone or if there is a consistent tone for the show, if they're interested in that. But the episodes that worked for me are the ones that most knew their tone and stuck with that like, consistency, at least within storylines and preferably within an entire episode. Yeah, and I think that the tone is something that they need to figure out sooner rather than later, especially as they transition to this much bigger, potentially much bigger canvas um, and what that means for everyone. I think that they need to figure out by the time that if they get a third season, that they need to have a really firm handle on that. Well, on that note, I guess let's say if you have a favorite episode or favorite moment we haven't mentioned yet. And if not, who's your favorite glow wrestler? Okay, um, well, I, I, I do feel like that the entirety of episode 10, which is their long wedding finale in the ring wrestling episode, I think that episode is just very good. Um, and it's very silly, and it gets to your point about being a romp. Um, I really, really liked that. Um, I think that, and that feeds into, like, the whole thing of, like, I also really liked sort of the the glow um, in universe episode and the fact that they got that kid and then stuck her in a locker and then saved her from the locker. Uh, (laughs) I thought it was really good. And I'm glad that that kid like came back to do that. I thought that was really sweet. Um, But as for my favorite lady of wrestling, um, I I mean, it's Zoya. I feel like it has to be Zoya because Alison Brie's just so deep in to that character, that over-the-top characterization that I kind of feel like that's the only option. Um, mm-hmm. But I love the aesthetics of the um, of the toxic twins that they cook up because it's a very good aesthetic. It looks really, really good. And it looks much better than the old biddies that they did, that they had first. Uh, but what about you? Anything else in particular stand out for you? Uh, I mean, my favorite episode is the episode seven the after the the like the hospital episode basically um and i i would have to give it to like zoya's hair is so amazing um so i i'd have to give it to zoya or uh she she wolf those are my favorites i also i really enjoy tammy in the ring and just like the welfare like welfare queen is so offensive um but the performance is just so delicious yeah, that that she's definitely another of my of my favorites. Um, and yeah, just like I, I love I love what them like figuring out how they're going to work their swag, like how they're going to work their like merch tables and on all that stuff that felt really, really great. And the thing of the, the little kid becoming the daughter and getting worked into the show felt like that's like it's the complete opposite of my statement from earlier. That felt so 80s. You know, like. Oh yeah, you're probably not going to kidnap my kid. <laughs> I did not. That would not happen now, but I totally buy that happening then. Yeah. Um, so that was a nice little fun moment. Uh, yeah, it was. You know, again, I feel like I've been so harsh. It was a fun season, and I probably would have liked it more if I hadn't been marathoning it. If I had like pieced it out, I probably would have wouldn't have had some, as many of the issues that I did with it. Um, I still really enjoy the the performances and this cast i just i i can't help but feel like there's an there's another level and i hope they find it 
in the next season. Um, so we will see. I assume there's going to be a next season. I, we don't know if there is. I assume there is. Everything seems to get a third season over. Well, not everything. Sounds not everything, like... Kate. Not everything. <sighs> not everything. But mm, it seems like it gets good buzz for them. And, you know, can't be that expensive. I mean, it's a big cast. It is. Yeah. But anyways, um, so so I, I'm still glad that I watched it. And it was a good family view, I'll say. Um so thank you, Noel, for, for getting me to watch it. And uh, yeah, listeners, let us know what you think about this and where you fall on the spectrum between Noel and myself. I'm glad it's fun when we don't agree. That doesn't happen very much. I'm all for it. Me too. <laughs> a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. Or you can find it as an iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also in Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And then, of course, we are also on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. Noel, you are? I am at Noel RK. And Kate, thank you for this week. It was very delightful. It was very delightful. Thank you, sir. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. 